you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by the Ford F-Series. DJ Bucky here. And, Buck, we talked about this on the last podcast about the college stuff we wanted to jump into today. Plenty of time to get there, but first we've got some NFL business to tend to. Yeah, we had a, had a nice little game last night. How about that? Yeah, give me your thoughts on that as we start off here. Right. What did you think of the uh, the Falcons getting a, getting a big win and eliminating the Green Bay Packers from the postseason? Well, it was a big win. I don't think the Falcons played at an A level, but I think they did just enough to win. They continue to struggle offensively. They're still not clicking the way that you would think a team as talented as they are would click. When I look at them, Devontae Freeman really bailed him out, had a big game, did a lot as a runner and as a receiver. He has to continue to play that way. But you still have to find a way to get Julio Jones and the other guys involved. I know we've been very, very patient with Steve Sarkeesian, but as you're heading down the stretch, you want to see this team play a little faster, play a little better, play with more efficiency. And I'm beginning to think that maybe they should just hand it to Matt Ryan, go a little no huddle. Let him run the operation the way that he sees fit because ultimately he is the one that's going to determine whether they win or lose games. Answer me this. Uh, this is a discussion we had in the locker room the other day. Which which running back duo do you prefer? Maybe this is a movie, a, a little video idea for you over there, Sully. I'm uh, helping you produce a little bit here. There we go. There we go. What's I the like better that. running back duo in the uh, in the NFC South? Actually, all the running back duos in the NFC South. When you look at all Rank those up. teams, if you were just kind of right, let's just take the three. So you got Carolina – with McCaffrey mm-hmm. and Jonathan Stewart and Jay Stu, then you've got Kamara and Ingram, and then you've I know got who Bucky's gonna and pick. you've got Freeman, um, and uh, and, and uh, my man from Indiana, the Colin, New Tevin Coleman. Coleman. Yeah, the New Orleans Saints backfield is the best of all time when it comes best to of all Jordan. time, all time. Yep. There's not one that's better than them. What they're doing, scrimmage yards. Um, receiving yards, all those things. I mean, we're talking about historic numbers. Uh, I don't have their most current information, but you're talking about two guys that may go over 1,500 scrimmage yards. Uh, You have Alvin Kamar, who has an opportunity to really push the pace when it comes to what he has been able to do as a change of pace back. And then Mark Ingram has been grinding it out really well as as really the lead back. Look, I like the guys. I like 
Tevin Coleman. I like Devontae Freeman. I like Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Stewart. But I don't think they are anywhere close to what the Saints duo is doing. Well, then how would you rank two and three? I'll go uh, the Falcons at two and then the Panthers at three. Just because Jonathan Stewart, of all the backs, Jonathan Stewart, if we put all those backs there, I think he'd be, Stewart, the, last, he'd be the last he'd pick. Be the, he ranked last. Yeah. And so he, he's the anchor pulling the Panthers ship down. Yeah, Older Jonathan Stewart. We love John, John yeah. Stewart a little bit younger. Yeah. Older, version. older. Ah, it's interesting. Man, it is, a, it is a pretty good group, though, of offense. When you look at the quarterbacks, all the attention goes there. But how about the backfields that they've assembled? And I think that's the key. I think they go hand in hand. I mean, we talk about trucks and trailers and understanding how it takes a village to, to really raise the level of play for most quarterbacks in this league. I think what we've seen in the NFC South, every coach understands that it's more than the quarterback. You have to have the support and cast. It's unfortunate because we thought that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would be in that conversation, but they haven't had – those guys contribute to that level. But when you look at this, this is a division full of quarterbacks, full of playmakers and skill guys, and everyone understands that. And then on the flip side, you begin to see dominant defenses. Carolina has a really good defense. New Orleans has been opportunistic in creating things. The Falcons have played well at spurts. And then the Buccaneers have been a major disappointment. I got I got another idea. I got another idea. could be a video idea. Sully, you got your pen? Yep, I got it. All right. Look, you know how in high school, Buck, you have the all-league team? Yeah first team, second team, third team, all league. In the NFL, we just kind of go league-wide or even conference-wide. I, I think we should do an all-league team for the for the divisions. Like uh, like the, this NFC South, for instance. You get a, two running backs, some receivers. There's a lot of dudes to pick from to sort that out. Uh, little idea there I for like you. that. Yeah, that yeah. in the hopper. A little, little uh, post-playoffs. Yeah, just all, get a little patch. We can get a little letterman's jacket with a little patch there, all league. Did you get that <laughs> yeah. stuff on your letterman's jacket, Buck? Or did you just, I did. Just, I did. did. You? We get everything. Load it down. Scholar-athlete. You go yeah, scholar athlete? Not scholar athlete. Yeah, I didn't, I, I, I didn't I, get one I didn't of those either. That. I didn't get one of those. Yeah, I didn't get one of those either. I got my all daughter, the other stuff, though. My daughter has a scholar athlete patch, and I was like, that's nice. I asked my wife, so they make that? Yeah, I said, yeah, we had them when we were in high school. Oh, yeah. I, said, I, yeah, I, I never got yeah, one of those. Yeah, I didn't get, didn't get one of those. What? Uh, how many patches did you have? Give me your sports, high school. What'd you have? You had track? Yeah, baseball. Basketball. Oh, I wanted baseball. My high school coach talked me out of it, so I played rec ball. So three sports track, basketball, football. Uh, how many? How many letters? Let's see. I just played varsity back then. You know, you just played varsity your junior and senior. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was rare. It was a big deal when it's we got called up now. as a sophomore. That was a big deal to be just to a dress. sophomore to dress in the playoffs. That was, like, the big deal back in high school. Yeah, AK, by the way, just to bring it back, AK and, and Mark Ingram are 244 yards from, from reaching that 3,000-yard mark combined. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All time. All time. All time best. Yep. Best, of, best of all time. I gotta think about that. By the, the way, if, time, if you're listening, the only ones that are close: Walter Payton and Matt Suey, and then OJ Simpson. And whenever he went over two thousand, whoever is fullback, where they throw him in. But that's it. No one else has done what they've done. Kevin Mack and Ernest, Ernest Biner. Biner. That, 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 that's it. I'll tell you, I got one for you. What about Baltimore back in the day? Oh. Priest Holmes and Jamal, Jamal Lewis? Lewis. Yeah, but Priest Holmes wasn't. It, you talking about Priest Holmes at Kansas City? But that was yeah, he, but he had all that ability at that he time. He did, but he, he didn't have. The, he, no, didn't we're talking about the, the production, time. though. We're talking about production, though. Not the potential. Potentially, they could have done it. Talent wise. Yeah, but that's that's talent like, wise. That's like a beauty pageant. <laughs> you got a two thousand yard rusher in Jamal Lewis. Yeah, I mean back and you've the, got and you got Priest Holmes who was a yardage leader. Oh, I mean, if it's gonna be like that, then I'd be like, what about Deuce McAllister and Reggie Bush? Talent wise. I go. I go with Baltimore. Yeah, that's you little local. Jamal, this is I'm getting way off track. Jamal, <laughs> Jamal Lewis, Deuce McAllister in their prime. Who you got? I mean Jamal Lewis. Come on now. 
Jamal Lewis. A two thousand yard rusher. Jamal Lewis. I said it. Two hundred forty. I was reluctant. Two hundred forty five. Imagine pounds. if he never got banged up either. You know. Yeah, the Jamal Lewis. You, you as a Tennessee guy, this is right up Sully's alley. But when he was when he was running, it was before right before I got to uh, the Ravens. But they asked him in their combine interview, "What are you going to run?" And he said, uh, "A four three high, four four low." <laughs> That's what he said. So then when the when the scout was there, that at the sounds pro like Dante Stewart. When the scout had to call Dante's back in off of his pro day, he said, "What? How it was?" He goes. Four three high. It's yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. a big man moving very very fast. Yes, it Holy is. Holy smokes! Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on here, Buck. A couple quarterback things I wanted to get into. I had a chance to watch the tape yesterday and and kind of break these guys down. The intriguing quarterbacks I was looking forward to studying. Nick Foles in his game for the Eagles, four touchdowns, no picks. But digging into it, I thought it was interesting what the Giants did defensively against them. Mixed it up. They tried to bring pressure. Uh, you saw them bringing bringing seven I thought he, he handled that okay then he saw him r- rushing three and dropping eight a couple takeaways from that game yes full Foles played well but two things that would concern me if you were the Eagles number one I still think the process for him on the RPO stuff a little slower needs to pick up because you're starting to see them attack the mesh point a little bit and that's mm-hmm. gonna it's good he got hit he was getting the ball just on time and getting taking a lot of shots there's going to be some turnovers mixed in there if he doesn't speed up that process. The second is, I think because of all the injuries, we've kind of forgotten about Jason Peters being gone, and Carson Wentz could cover up that a little bit yes, better. Yes, his athleticism. Uh, no, uh, Olivier Vernon got after Vi on that on that left side there, and going into the postseason, some elite pass rushes you're going to run into, that would worry me. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you're dealing with two different um, caliber athletes in terms of playmakers. You're talking about Carson Wentz, a guy who I would put up there in that Cam Newton category in terms of his athleticism at the position, what he can do, a unicorn. Um, With Nick Foles, you're talking about a guy who is athletic but not quite the same athlete. And I will say this, though. I think it's a learning process. By the time they get into the playoffs, they have two more games to figure out what Nick Foles does really, really well. I think they will make some tweaks and some adjustments to put him in a situation where he can thrive. The fact that he had four touchdowns kind of coming off the bench suggested that offense can still be productive. It may just be in a different way than it was with Carson Wentz. One of the things I had uh, research look up because I was curious about this, and it was a tight game, and the Eagles have been in some lopsided games, so you have to balance this number out. But I did think it was interesting. Carson Wentz. Uh, when he was in the lineup this year for the Eagles, first down buck, 50-50 run pass. Mm. On the nose, 50-50. With Foles, the best thing you can do for a quarterback is to throw on first down. Yeah. 63% pass on first down in this in this game against the Giants. So I thought they gave him some layups, some easy completions. You got some predictable coverages. They even got him on the move on some of those first downs. I thought they set him up for success on first down. Nice job by Doug Peterson. Well, I think that that is the key. I mean, obviously you want to throw in favorable looks. And when we talk about favorable looks, typically most defensive coordinators approach it. First down is a heavy Vanilla. rundown. Yeah. You want to be uh, eight-man front, single high coverage, off coverage on the outside. Really easy for the quarterback to raise up and fire hitches and quick routes that are – you know, allow you to get ahead of the chains, and then you're able to get back to your normal balanced offense on second and third down. So, tip of the hat, Doug Peterson being a little more aggressive with the early pass game, high completion percentage, that's the way to kind of work and manipulate the system. No question. Then Aaron Rodgers, the other quarterback one to look at. Now, the Packers are out of the playoffs now. That's another conversation we can get to in a minute, whether they should shut him down or not. Uh, but yes. Yes, that's the answer. That's a quick conversation. Yes, they should shut him down. There's nothing to play for. No reason for him to be out there. Roll with Brett Hundley 
through these last couple games. But watching this one, to be expected, we talked about it. The rust was, was going to be there, and I don't think the Panthers are the team you want to be rusty against defensively with what they have and then with what Cam Newton did. But watching Rodgers vision-wise, I think people think rust, they think accuracy, which he missed a couple throws. He acknowledged that. To me, I thought his, his vision wasn't right. He missed some opportunities that they had with some, some stuff that was wide open. You don't normally see Aaron Rodgers miss. Well, I think this thing, we've been so spoiled by Aaron Rodgers playing at such a high level. He typically doesn't miss. Um, he's open. He Guy's open. He nails them consistently, routinely. He finds a way to pick apart the defense. The difference is he was rusty. He was a little off his game. And the Carolina Panthers play a different way than they've always played. This is a team that blitzes almost 50-50 when it comes to the percent of times that they send an extra rusher. And so when you have extra bodies coming at Aaron Rodgers, particularly a guy who was coming off an injury, they were able to move him off the spot a little bit, made him a little uncomfortable, and we saw that some of those interceptions were a product of him having to be on the move to escape a free rusher, a free hitter. Normally he makes them pay, but because first came out, a little rusty, couldn't take advantage of it. That is a really, really good job by Steve Wilkes, continue to do what the Panthers have done, but also knowing that that could really be something that disrupts a quarterback making his first start in maybe eight or nine weeks. This is out of left field. I didn't tip you off on this, but just watching that game and seeing how how ridiculous Peppers is still playing and the pressure he was generating, as a North Carolina guy, were there any – did you hear any legendary – are there any legendary Pep stories from, uh, from UNC? I mean, you're just talking about a guy who can do anything. I mean, he's Superman. He can jump. So he split. Did he did not round. do any spring ball then while he was there? No, he played just basketball. Hoops, just play, hoops. Play hoops. Yeah. Uh, he was a running back in high school. So Jeez. you're talking about a guy with that kind of athleticism that is now playing um, at pass rusher. And you know, I I think here's the thing, and they won't admit it now, but Carolina, the first go around, the reason he left the building before, he was so talented and made things look so easy that when you're inside, he's like, man, if he could just, he's not add playing a hard, hard, yeah. Right, and he was getting 12, 14 sacks, but <laughs> in the building the conversation was always like, man, we got to get him going, we got to get him playing. And I don't believe there was a great enough appreciation for his talent and skill set the first time around. I think when he left and they saw how hard it is to get a guy that can dominate the game with the ease of which he was able to play, I think now this time around the swan song, they really appreciate what number 90 brings to the table. And I think as a parent, this guy has 10 sacks at the age of 37. That's crazy. This is, I believe, let me count this up here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Ten seasons he's had ten-plus sacks. Ten seasons. Are you kidding me? And then there's a season in there where he only had two where he was sick. Yeah. And no one really knew that he was sick and dealing with an illness or whatever. But you take that away. 153 and a half sacks. I mean, it's crazy. Jeez. He made everybody better. He was a dominant player. And I will give John Fox credit. John Fox put him at left defensive end, let him work against right tackles, which was uncommon at the time back in 2002, 2003. But it's something that he had done with Michael Strahan. It was a way to take advantage of right tackles because back in yesteryear, your right tackle was like the lumbering your run guy. Power run guy. guy. And so now you put a dominant player against that. They were able to take advantage of it. Yep. Now everybody does it, right? A yeah, lot of people you're, like you're Von, Von, Von Miller, Mack. Khalil Mack. A lot of people take advantage. I'm, I'm going to say Vic Beasley plays on that side as well. Um, yeah, they've caught up. They now have made it where they put pass rushers on either side of the line and they attack the offensive tackle relentlessly. Yeah, just an amazing career for Julius Peppers. First ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt, at 37. 
he's still getting it done. All right, time now for the offensive line of the week presented by the Ford F-Series. This is our good buddy Sean O'Hara's project he does every week on NFL.com slash Ford. You can check out uh, his Built Ford Tough Offensive Line of the Week article. Buck, nominees, or who do you uh, who do you want to give this one to this week? Well, I think it's a no-brainer. I think the way that the L.A. Rams went up to the Pacific Northwest and whooped the Seattle Seahawks, I think their offensive line deserves credit. Ty Gurley had a monster game, uh, rushing for over 150 rush yards, had a great game in terms of, I think he had maybe 175 or so scrimmage yards. But the fact that they were able to run the ball for over 200 yards, almost 250 yards on the ground, that is a butt kicking at the point of attack. Give it to the L.A. Rams. They deserved it. We're going to break it down, too, as well at uh, on our VODs. Oh, nice. And on Pick'em, too, so you could you could watch it. Yeah, watch it was, it it was, was interesting watching that tape, Bucky, that uh, the the job they do on the backside on some of their zone stuff is outstanding. Tyler Higby's really developed into a nice blocker there at the tight end position. They, they just punched the Seahawks in the mouth right from the very beginning of that football game. And then creativity-wise – uh, man, it's it's so much fun to watch what Sean McVay does. They ran uh, the touchdown that Gurley caught on the drag route coming across the field. They ran basically uh, it's like a two-man pick route. So you had you had uh, both receivers on the right side, but come across just it was like an elevator screen. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. He comes from the backside. He slides all the way out. Yeah. Whatever, you it's know, unbelievable. The funny thing about that play. They stole that play from the Atlanta Falcons. Yep. The Atlanta Falcons ran that play multiple times last year. They ran against the New Orleans Saints in particular and in the Super Bowl where they offset the back to the right. They have trips to the left. Everyone on the trip side just kind of runs a drag right across the field. The it's back kind of sneaks behind the line and out the back door. Matt Ryan just waits, dumps it off. They did the same thing. I mean, Bobby Wagner, I mean, that's a lot to navigate through as a linebacker. A lot, lot to navigate through. I, I, I think it's a brilliant play. I think it's perfect, particularly when you catch people in man-to-man. It was a great play. Sean McVay is Dylan. Not only has he helped the quarterback play at a high level, he's got Ty Gurley back to playing like the guy that we thought he would be when he was drafted within the top ten. Yeah, they are They are definitely a fun offense to watch there. So, they, yeah, I think that's a no-doubter. 244 rushing yards. They did give up a couple sacks, but uh, didn't really hurt them there. They get the offensive line of the week. That's our Ford built tough Ford offensive line of the week. I don't know who Sean went with. Surely it's the Rams. If, come on, Sean. <laughs> it should be the Rams. Let's jump over to the college football side here, Buck. A story I wanted to hit on today. A lot of people were making a big deal about the fact that uh, Royce Freeman, it wasn't that he didn't play in this game, because we saw that last year with Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette. They still went really high in the draft. Didn't affect their draft stock, which we said it wouldn't affect their draft stock. I don't think this is going to affect Royce Freeman's draft stock either. He sits out the Vegas Bowl against Boise. But the telecast, they spent a lot of time talking about the fact, I think it was Herb Street that was doing the game. But the uh, before the game, he's in he's in street clothes, and he's gathering up the whole team, and he's giving the fire him up speech. It was a weird look, just kind of a bad look. It just looked awkward for a guy who's healthy and sitting out the game to be delivering the, the pregame pump him up speech. And trust me, it did not work. <laughs> Boys, he could have been up 40 to nothing at half. That is not an exaggeration. It was it was that ugly, that lopsided. But just your your take on well, a, a sitting out the game and then B it, being there at the game and addressing. Did the we team. all take Boise? I can't. Remember. Uh, I know. I think Boy, Buck took Boise. I, I took, took Boise. I took I took Oregon. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think Her- I, I bought it right, Herbert. Right. I bought I, it I'm Herbert. Tied with DJ. Or uh, uh, you're, I, I pulled pulled ahead of you. Yeah, that hurt. Tied with Kent. That hurt. Yeah. That hurt me a little bit. Yeah. Whew. I think a couple different ways to, go, to look at the Royce Freeman deal. 
I think people now have a greater understanding at running back. When running backs sit out, like I don't think it affects them when it comes to draft day. But I think he could be applauded for being around his team. I don't know if Chris – when I went to the Sun Bowl, I don't think Christian McCaffrey was He wasn't there. there. He was training. Um, so, I think with – That's what they should do. Yeah, I, th- I think with, with Royce Freeman, he's there. He's trying to be supportive of his squad. He's still in the foxhole with those guys. He just elected not to play. And I think all of his teammates, I think the coaches obviously understand. So, rather than looking at a negative, I would try and say it's a positive that he was trying to display a little leadership ability by being around. And I don't know if he practiced with those guys or not. But um, – it is odd, but I think it's kind of the way the game is moving. Players are no longer going to play in these games if they're not what we call these meaningful big games. Yeah. I just think it's too much at the risk, and everyone saw Jalen Smith, and I think that image has really changed the narrative when it comes to, oh, I'm going to play for my team, I'm going to play for my university, because they saw how much money Jalen Smith lost by playing in that guy. Yeah, I like the fact that he's trying to be around his – his teammates, I think that the intention was good. I just think from a coaching perspective, going forward in this new climate in which we operate, I think I would tell the guys, hey, look, we appreciate everything you've done. I fully understand if you don't want to play in this game. But, look, if you don't want to play and you want to start getting ready for the draft, just go. Just just go start working towards the draft and, and take care of you. We got we got it from here. But what, if I wanna, but what if I want to work with a strength coach? My strength coach is the guy that I believe in. I, I want to work with Coach Rad. Yeah, you can work with him, and then when the team gets back from the bowl game, he'll be right back there to help you yeah, out. But what about those th- those? I don't days? think I don't think I'm bringing him on the bowl trip. I, I just think okay. Well, I, I, just well, think I can't get done. the bowl ring and swag. No, I think why? You don't why can't want, I get the ball ring? Why I have to get there? You got a lot of money. You can go pay for whatever. Oh you want my that, You took that sweet. You took that sweet marketing deal uh, <laughs> that, that came your way. Uh, Gee, by the way, what's your guess on? Uh, just, I don't know if anybody knows this. Just like what these players can make on the marketing side. Like when, as soon as you uh, your eligibility oh, is exhausted, anywhere, anywhere, anywhere from like they they hide it under marketing guarantee. So yeah, so basically the way anywhere it works, from a hundred to it's hundred grand. Yeah. Like yeah. like like nothing for guys that you would think. How in the world is that the the the, the card trading card deals and different things they do? They a- can get a lot of money. Like man. AK has has a deal with I think it's Airheads, and I can't imagine how much money who, he gets because who, who, he who's Al- AK Alvin Kamara. Oh, okay. yeah, they're on it. They're on it. They're, they're on a nickname AK, I basis. I didn't know. Yeah. He has, I'm bad. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh well. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, he's got to deal with the Airheads, and I, I I'd be shocked if he if he makes anything less than a, a boatload of money yeah. from those guys. So these guys, as soon as they announce that they're declaring and they they relinquish their eligibility, they they literally, if they want, the next day can get a nice check, just like that, for the marketing guarantee. Wow. Or if you sign says. with an agent, as soon as you're you're done. Yeah. So go get deposit. your go pay for your own swag. Yep. We don't need to. That's right. Uh, hey, let's jump into some of these running backs. I wanted to talk about this the other day. I uh, spent last week kind of combing through these backs. I still got some other guys I need to watch. I need to, to, to be honest, I need to finish Josh Adams in, uh, from Notre Dame and Damian Harris from Alabama. A couple guys I need to get through. But, Buck, this is a good group. We'll see. We have a lot of time to find out who's coming and who's not coming. But the, the running backs I had a chance to look at, man, it's a – it looks like college football is in pretty good shape right now with the list of ball carriers we got. Well, I think that's the biggest thing because I know a couple of years ago everyone was talking about the um, devaluation, the diminishing importance of the running back. And it just was a time where back-to-back years college football didn't produce a marquee dude at the top of the draft that was worthy of getting a big grade. I think it's different now. I think when you look at the position and what is available in college, you're seeing these guys that are the triple threats, guys that are not only runners but receivers can – add an impact, something in the, the kick return game, those guys have always been valuable, and particularly when they come with size. We're now seeing these big backs that have the size that we want that can be every-down players but can also stay on the field as every-down players, running, receiving, 
being able to be in the kicking game. I think we've seen that. We talked about Saquon Barkley, uh, the Johnson kid down at Auburn. There are enough big backs that can do that stuff that teams will be enticed and intrigued, and I think you have to use a top pick. I'll go through some of my notes here. Start with Saquon Barkley. His lateral burst and explosiveness for a 230-pound back, his elusiveness is off the charts. I, With a comparison, I know uh, people have talked about Zeke a lot. I ended up writing down Gurley just because I think he's got that type of top juice. I mean, he's got big – he's going to run – Four four better. I mean, he's ridiculous. Well, he ran four four years ago when he came up to the opening. I want to say he ran in that category. It's funny that you say Todd Gurley. I compared him to Frank Gore. Okay. When he was coming out, like, and I think you have to go all the way back because Frank Gore, young is Frank old Gore Frank had Gore. juice. Yeah. Talking about young Frank Gore that was coming out of Miami. Um, this dude has big playability, and I think we haven't even really seen what he can be as a receiver. I believe he's going to be a much better pro than college player because the pro game probably fits his skill set better. You will see a team get real creative, put him outside, let him run routes from outside. He will do some of the Levy and Bell stuff that we've seen done, and I think that can make him a special player, a top five player if he comes out. He's the best one that I've done going back to Adrian Peterson. So, I mean, I know last Ooh. year we, we've talked about the last couple of years with Ezekiel Elliott, we've talked about Gurley. Um, we've seen some big-time backs. Fournette, you know, got a lot of love and a lot of attention. This dude is complete. He can do everything, and he does it in a 230-pound package. So, uh, yeah, he's he's a special, special player, and no doubt to me, in the college football that's loaded with running backs and talent, he is head and shoulders above everybody else in the Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I like Geis. We can get to Geis. I, I like Geis. This, this dude's 20 pounds heavier. He is. Geis is nice, though. Geis is nice. Geis it's a is good, a really it's a nice good promo. That's a good Heisman Geis campaign. Is really, uh, Geis is a really good player. So, you just mentioned wow. Frank Gore, Buck. Geis, I compared Geis to Frank Gore. That was Vi- my comp. He's violent, combative. He loves mixing it up. He doesn't mind getting it blended with a defender one-on-one in the phone booth. He has big player building. Um, obviously, he didn't play in an offense that allowed him to be featured in the passing game, but I think he's fine in that vein. I wrote Intriguing. down – I'm glad you mentioned that. So – just looking through some of my notes, I've got drop shoulder here about five times in the first two games that I watched A&M and Ole Miss. There's tackle breakers. I think people, uh, when they hear this guy breaks a lot of tackles, there's more than one way to break a tackle. Sometimes there, it can be there's slippery. Guy, there's guys that are that like slithery, slippery, kind of they fall, tackles fall off them. It's kind of like a fireman coming down the pole. You see guys <laughs> kind of slide off them. But then, but then there's other guys, like we'll get to Nick Chubb in a second, talking about him. Guys kind of bounce off of him. He runs kind of erect, kind of upright, but he's just a big, sturdy, strong guy. Guys bounce off him. Darius Geis, and we can get to Sony Michelle as well, both those guys, they drop their shoulder and run through people. I mean, it is violent well, what Geis is capable of doing, and he has some breakaway speed as well. He's a great player. I mean, we like the violence. Obviously, you like the violence. You want to be able to uh, run through people. It kind of changes the game when you're able to kind of take their soul is what I say. And so – when you have those kind of guys, you can feature them as those bell cows, but you ideally like to have that every down back that can also contribute as a receiver. He can help in the receiving game. I think when you look at Saquon Barkley and guys, I think Barkley, what he can do in the passing game, kind of separates him from Geis, in For my sure. opinion. Uh, but anyways, Geis is, a, is an excellent player. Go through some of these other guys. Uh, I mentioned Chubb. I like – I don't know where you are on these two guys, but watching uh, Sony Michelle and Chubb, I like Sony Michelle a little bit better. I think they're they're similar, similar uh, in terms of their style. 
I just think Sony Michelle's a little more loose, a little more fluid. Yeah, Chubb is more like a, a old school banger, old school grinder when it comes to it. Yeah, he's uh he's uh you know, he is a really, really good player. Sony Michelle I compared to Kareem Hunt was mm. my comp for him. And then Chubb I wrote down a slower Jonathan Stewart. He doesn't have that same juice Stewart had coming out of yeah. Oregon, but a, a similar type guy. Nice. So nice those comparison. are my comps there. Before we get to the rest of these running backs, uh, real quick here. If you're an entrepreneur or a small business owner, or even if you have a side gig, let me introduce you to Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Grasshopper lets you send and receive calls and texts from your new business phone number. That way you can run your business from anywhere and respond to clients quickly with Grasshopper's mobile apps. Grasshopper, sign up today. Go to grasshopper.com slash sticks. Get $20 off your first month. One more time, that's grasshopper.com slash stick so talking about those georgia running backs with chubb and michelle I, uh, two really really good players that the, the young kid too it's funny everybody that i talk to about that they go hey have you watched the other back with swift oh, yeah. swift is his name uh yeah no georgia's 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 backfield is pretty good i'm looking for i'm gonna go to that rose bowl game and see them against oklahoma so i'll have a little more on those guys and i think they have the number one back later from their this recruiting class coming in as well they're, they're just loaded yeah they are they are loading up ronald jones from usc back i know you've had a chance to see him a bunch the uh the the uh, uh what's his name why am i spacing on names today uh jamal give me the name buck charles thank you gosh i don't know why texas jamal charles same number the dreads everything they look exactly alike coming out of uh, of college big time top juice with ronald jones man you know what he might be one of the most improved prospects to me based on watching his um i guess it would be a sophomore tape compared to this year's tape last year over the summer when i wrote about him scat back quick burst explosive flashes and wiggling traffic i questioned his power his jack i didn't think he was violent enough to break contact i thought he was best on the edges when he ran off tackle thought he was good in the past game this year i've seen a different back i've seen a guy that is running through He's contact. Dropping the shoulder i see him um dropping the shoulder making plays, bouncing off defenders, that is something that I didn't see. So when it comes time to studying him and trying to slot him in and figure out where he can be, he looks like an every down back, a little smaller, a smaller version of what some of these other big backs can offer. But, look, he does all that stuff. And Jamal Charles is a nice name to kind of bring out because Jamal Charles has some of that rep rep reputation when he was yep. coming out of Speed Texas. Guy, Speed guy. guy. Is he tough enough? Can he do it? Can he grind? Gets to the league, finally gets his opportunity, and he shows. So maybe that is what Ronald Jones is. At the time, Jamal Charles, I think, was a third-round pick. I think Rojo goes higher than that, obviously. I think he has some intriguing stuff that he brings to the table. No, he is, uh, he's got some Chris Johnson to him as got, well. Yeah. A little bit of that. He, I mean, Chris I like Johnson that. has rare speed, obviously. He's not he's not that fast. But Stylistically, he's, though. Yes. Patience, kind of wiggle then, when he's at his best. Then, whoop, yes. You can hit the button and go. I wrote, when you look down at your notes here, again, for those of you, if you're watching, if you want to be a scout or you want to get into this whole thing, I, I am a firm believer in the in the color system, as Bucky knows. When you're watching tapes, different color for each game. When you're watching your notes or you look back at your notes so you can keep track of it. But I have against Stanford, the first game they have against Stanford, I just wrote uh, stretch, uh, foot in ground, and then all caps, explode, exclamation point. When he wants to go north and south and go, he can go. Uh, a couple other guys here real quick. Kalen Balaj, remember we talked to him at the Pac-12 Media Day? Yes. Grossly underused there at Arizona State. This is six foot two, 223-pound back. Those are official measurements from scouts in the spring. So he has verified a big dude. And he is going to run, according to the coaches, and you can see it on tape, he's going to run in the 4-4s. Tremendous height, weight, speed. Just He's a little bit stiff, a little bit upright, Buck. Uh, but, man, I just thought kind of just grossly 
misused in this offense. I uh, just, I mean, they just didn't know what they wanted to do. They didn't know who they were, that kind of stuff. And I think it's it's frustrating to watch a talented player not uh, being utilized the right way. But that's kind of what happened to him the whole way. I think he will be another guy that is a better pro than he was as a collegiate. Yeah, I wrote down Tevin Coleman. I know he's a different body. He's a little bit uh, different body type there. But I thought he's more kind of a speed back. He did, his power does not match up to 223 pounds. He doesn't carry his pads that well on contact. I thought his feet kind of die on contact. He more absorb, more of an absorb than deliver uh, type runner. Uh, Penny, how about Penny from San Diego State? My comp for him, I struggle with the comp. He's another one where, guys, he pulls through tackles. He steps through tackles. Not a super violent runner, but he can carry you. I mean, he's, uh, he's a strong dude. Had some questions with him in pass pro that, that worried me a little bit. Kind of a weak shoulder thrower there. I liked him. Uh, he's got good vision. I just didn't think he was quite as violent at the 220-pound level that I would like to hope to see. For but sure. The production is, is outstanding. We saw last year, though, uh, this offense is geared towards production at the back. Then I'll pump rate of a zillion yards here as well. Yeah, I mean, I think some of it is, is by system. But I do think he can be an effective player. I think the big thing will be fit and scheme, where he goes. Can they figure out a role to necessarily get him on the field and let him do what he does best? Not necessarily explosive or dynamic. just kind of crafty in terms of the way he picks and sticks and slides and gets in the holes. He might be probably a better player than Tester. I think that would be interesting to see how he tests and how explosive he is as an athlete. All right, your guy Bryce Love, we got. Man, he's 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 tough because I love Bryce, and I I think Bryce is tough. Bryce's biggest thing is trying to figure out what exactly he is. I don't think he's necessarily a change of pace back. I think he's kind of an undersized guy that has to be an every-down player, meaning that he needs to be in a traditional offense where he touches the ball coming downhill. Uh, he needs to um, improve as a receiver because – he only has 29 career receptions. We don't see him in the passing game a lot. I don't know if he can really run routes at an elite level, and it's something I've had a conversation with him. He has to work on that part of it. But in terms of toughness, durability, being able to run in between the tackles, for a small guy, it's hard to find guys that are better than him in terms of finding that, that little area and space increase. The interesting thing was what I expected to see from him after TV scouting. Yeah. And then when you dig in and study him, he's not at all like what I thought he was going to be. Different. So when I watched him, I thought he's a patient pick-and-slide type runner. He's strong through contact. I did not think he was super explosive laterally. I didn't mm. think he was ultra-elusive. He's not, he's straight he's not line that play. type of straight guy. Line, yes. Straight line running back. He's a patient pick, wait, slide, okay, boom, and then go. But he's not going to get in the hole and make the free man miss a bunch. He's not – you know, it's just different. He's he's kind of a kind of a build-up speed guy. He's got plenty of long speed. He's going to run fast. But I thought he kind of built up his speed. I didn't think he was just dynamic, sudden, explosive. Um, pass protection, he has some issues just with yep. his size. He needs to get a little more sand, a little more a little more strength in there in pass pro. But I'm with you. I kind of thought this is – he's not a scat back. He's more of kind of a traditional back in a smaller package. You know, and then it's interesting because his background, obviously he, he played um, – for my dad's team in high school. So he comes from a wing T back to back background. And my biggest thing when he was going to college, I wondered because he was so straight line. He just used to run around the corner, yeah. outrun everybody. He has gradually improved in terms of his ability and agility and his ability to make lateral cuts, but he's still more straight line than anything. I think the big thing is if you put him in a situation where maybe you have him in Dallas and he's the backup to Ezekiel Elliott mm -hmm. behind that big offensive line, he comes in and spells him 12, 15 carries coming downhill, I think he plays. 
I believe he's a downhill runner. I don't think for Bryce you want to necessarily get him where his shoulders aren't squared to the line of scrimmage. He's better coming downhill. He needs to play for a Dallas and Oakland team would be good for him. Big offensive line that kind of mushes and mashes people off the ball so he can just kind of go downhill. All right, I'm glad. Just This is why it's helpful for us to talk about this selfishly because I end up having to do comps, as you do, for the combine coverage and all. you got to have comps for all these players who run those comp videos. I did not have one for Bryce Love. But just us fleshing this out, it came to me like I said, boom, that's who it is. And I looked up height, weight, height, weight, and speed. Bryce Love is a little faster version of Justin Forsett. Ooh. You like that one? That's a good one. Justin Forsett's 5'8". You know, he's he's 195 pounds. That's a good one. And Bryce that's a good Love's going to be 5'9 and change, 195, maybe 200 pounds. It's similar stylistically. Forsett was not a scat back. He was somebody you could carry it 20 times. He's and it, it was always, un- small always underrated. You never really knew. Could he handle the whole low? Can he be that guy? Then he finally got his opportunity and showed that he could be it. It was later in his career, though. Yeah. But I think that is a very, very good comparison. That's a good comp. Uh, see, that's, this is why we do this podcast, to help me with my comps. Uh, I appreciate that. I think we're running out of time. we got to shoot some videos and uh, get some other stuff done around here. Sully, you got anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Not yet, guys. Uh, just excited about we got a lot of cool stuff coming up in the hopper with the video show and uh, getting ready for the playoffs, man. Ah. It's, it's, it's about that time. Yeah, we're getting there. Teams are getting eliminated. Starting to uh, see the playoff picture crystallize a little bit on the NFL front. Some big bowl games coming up here. Uh, I'm going to get out to a bunch of games. Bucky, I know you're getting out to a bunch of games. Those are some of my favorite podcasts, by the way. If you're into the draft, when Bucky and myself get back in the podcast studio after we've been at some of these games and we can kind of say, hey, this is what I saw from this guy, that guy. Had no idea. Watch for this one. It's just it's it's great information we can pull together. And, and we'll uh, pick those guys next week. Yeah, pick some games. You love picking games. I love it. Yeah, I'm trying uh, to win it. I know. Yeah, it makes one of us. Uh, all right, let's get out of here. That's going to do it for us. This has been Move the Sticks presented by the Ford F-Series. DJ Bucky, Sully producing. Nice job, guys. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets real steel offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024 see participating retailer for details